If you pay attention to the national media, there's a lot more talk about the potential of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I have a theory as to why that is and why it might make, might play into why this people more people will buy in on the Steelers if they have a strong start to the season. And I do think they will have a strong start to the season. All that and more here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. It's the Friday episode with Chris Carter here on your, on your Locked On Podcast Network. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time, of course, is the app that you got to download right to your phone to get best tickets and the best price on every ticket every time create an account and use code locked on nfl and you get 20 dollars off your first purchase last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed for game time more on them later i want to have this discussion this is less of an x's and o's and more of a let's talk about you know some some perceptions here uh of the steelers nationally and it's something we've discussed lightly here on the show but something I think that you've definitely seen if you pay attention to how people across the country talk about the NFL and particularly the Steelers. And you can notice there's an uptick from a lot of national media presences. Not everybody, but there's a lot more of those. I think the Steelers could be that team. They're the dark horse of the AFC. It could be really sneaky. Oh, man, I, Mike Tomlin, Kenny Pickett. This could be a, the dangerous squad to look out for. There's a lot more of that kind of talk right now. And, and again, I buy into it. You, you watch this show. You listen to the show. I've been telling you all training camp. You know, we talk about how to stack days and how to build throughout training camp in the preseason and how one, one day doesn't build, you know, a great, a great season. And one day doesn't signify that you've made a big upset. But if you're consistent throughout the training camp in the preseason process, then that is a very good sign. And as we said, they stacked up a great preseason uh, for the Steelers. So I think that they're showing very well going into week one next week against the Niners. But I think that more people are willing to buy into it right now. And you're seeing it from NFL Network to ESPN across the board. More people are buying in on the Steelers and saying like, hey, you know, not saying they're going to be, you know, in the Super Bowl, not going to say they're doing that, but they're going to be a problem and they're going to be in the playoffs. I think this team, you know, is a threat like that, but. Why do you think that that's happening now when the Steelers have been the threat before and kind of gotten downplayed? If you go back to 2020 when they were 11-0, every step of the way when they were 5-0, they were, oh, they're, they're pretenders. Oh, they're 6-0. Oh, they're pretenders. And it wasn't until they lost like three key starters on defense that eventually like, aha, see, we told you this team wasn't good. And it was just like, all right, yeah, but they they, they literally went 11-0 and and won their division and everything. So like it took it took a lot of it took injuries upon injuries for them to kind of fall out of being a top, top tier team uh in, at the at the end of the season but i mean i i i think it would you go back to it's something that i've noticed for years about the steelers that i wondered if was the case and we wouldn't know until after a certain player retired and that's around ben roethlisberger and 
if anyone's seen this show, you know, I've always been very honest about Red Roethlisberger. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I've also been a person who acknowledges his mistakes and say like, hey, this is where he held back the team in, in certain situation here and there, just like I do with any other player. But I've always felt like even long before I was a reporter or a, or a personality, when I was just an average NFL fan that was just in college, I always felt like Ben Roethlisberger just didn't get the same kind of hype when other players started to do well. Locally, he would. Locally, there would be there would there would always be a buildup for Ben Roethlisberger. But nationally, I, I remember you know Chris Carter and Cheney University undergrad, you know just watching the Steelers go to two Super Bowls and what was it two Super Bowls in three years and just no hype for Ben Roethlisberger. And that's when I was like, man, this guy just won a Super Bowl. He's getting back to another one. He's he's figuring things out. Why aren't people buying in on this guy? And if you go back to even 2020, they, they people weren't buying in on him. And eventually, yeah, you could say they ended up being right in the playoffs when they had a really bad game against the Browns. But that was a team that was beating some of the better teams in the NFL, and people weren't giving credit. And to the point where I, I bring this up on the Afternoon Drive podcast for SteelersNow.com. Go check that out. That was a fun show yesterday. Um, but, like, in 2020, when they played the Ravens again for a second time, it was the rematch. They won the first time those teams played. And ESPN, when talking about that second that second matchup, when they were showing the game and, and how they thought it would play out, and they were showing highlights of that first game, they showed all Ravens highlights. And I'm like, man, why are they downplaying the idea that the Steelers could sweep these guys? Like, they, they're a better team right now. And I just didn't understand it. And I think it's because the national media could not get behind Ben Roethlisberger. And part of it, I think, is his past. And I, again, I brought this up during the Steelers, uh, the Steelers Now Afternoon Drive podcast, but I wanted to talk about this more to get my thoughts in here about this. But I, I do wonder if it's that, if it's simply the likability factor for the Steelers that, like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, for all of his greatness and all of the, the amazing things that he did, there's still that checkered past when he started his career where, not even checkered, you, we just, we, we know that, you know, he was in the bathroom with girls and he had allegations and there's things that stacked up against him. And hey, he cleaned up his life. He got, he became, a, he became a better person and he was able to, uh, to finish, you know, finish uh, with a Hall of Fame career, finish with honor and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and he avoided those claims ever coming up again in the last decade or so of his career. Um, but it was still a thing that was always attached to him. And it makes me wonder if it's simply that being gone, that now you're seeing like from preseason games, national media, people buying in on the Steelers being like, you know what? I like Kenny Pickett and Mike Tom. And they always liked Mike Tom and national locally. There's some people that don't like Mike Tom, but nationally Mike Tom was respected because they realized he's a great coach. And when you look at this team, I do wonder if it's simply the fact that you look across the roster, who's the jerk that nobody likes right now? Who's the enemy? Like, there's no, there's no crazy Antonio Brown. He's still being crazy. You can see his tweets and all the stuff that he says. There's nobody saying wild things to the media every week. There's no, you know, there, there's no, you know, Juju dancing on the logos and making people mad about it right now. Um there's just guys that, you know, you may not like them if you are a fan of another team like TJ Watt or Baker Fitzpatrick or guys like that or Cam Hayward. But but nationally, if you're nationally, you got to respect them. They're just great players. They just kick but they just kick butt. And I think especially with Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, who's one of the nicest guys I've ever covered in all the sports, you know, from his days at Pitt to these days with the Steelers. I just I look at that and I think, man, like. This this all adds up. This all like this is a roster of all likable characters of people that I think that you there's no there's no act not an axe to grind but there's no bad bad press behind them. 
uh, that people are worried if they they praise them up that it's going to be kind of marred with that. I think the likability factor is get what's getting the media behind the Steelers right now. Now, here's the thing is that that could also be a warning sign, right? Because they're, then you're like, you're you're talking about the Steelers for the wrong reason. You're not just talking about them because you think they're good. You might be talking about them because like, oh, I, I like those guys. But I also think that people are, are just acknowledging, you know what? You look at this roster, how the offensive line is built, the uh, playmakers on offense, Kenny Pickett, the way he looks sharp in preseason and the hope that he could, you know, mature into the quarterback that people think he can. The defense, if it can just be who the defense was supposed to be, um, I, I I get why people are buying in because I've been buying in. I've been saying that the Steelers are, are going to be a playoff team for months now. And now I think they're a little bit more than just a playoff team. Again, I'm still not picking them to go to or win the Super Bowl. But I think that they've done a lot of really interesting things this year. And not just, you know, just front office wise, but development wise, from what I saw in training camp and what I've seen in preseason to set themselves up for a year where the buying in from national media will be paid off because they'll be playing really well. I want to talk more about why that why that is and how I think that they get there uh, in a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We still got more to discuss here on a Friday episode. Uh, we'll get to more of that later. But first, I want to remind you guys that this episode is sponsored by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets back, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket for, from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel because the app is easy to use and you can be on, be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. A few housekeeping notes I want to say before we continue our topic here. One, check out our Ultimate NFL Season Preview. There are going to be bonus episodes that are uploaded to this channel, whether you listen to audio or video. Uh, it's just basically we, we ask several questions to all the divisional hosts, uh, all the people that, in different divisions. Like I do a, a show with all like the AFC North guys, and there's a question that goes around. So if you ever wanted a preview of – you know, who do we think is the best quarterback in each division? Who do we think is going to win each division? You know, things like that. That's going to be coming out here. So if you see bonus episodes popping up, that's what those are. Check those out at your leisure. It's a good time. Also want to say shout out to Jenna Harner. She couldn't make it today because she is being Superwoman over there at Channel 11, handling all the, the, the great stories that they're doing there. So uh, we she will be back next week when we start to preview the season and getting back to our Friday pick-ems, uh, pick pick leagues. And we will do a Pick'em League, so look out for the link. I'll put it post that at some point in the Locked on Steelers Facebook group and on Twitter. So anyways, back to what I'm saying here. This is, an, this is a Steelers team right now. For years, I think what they've done a good job is they have built themselves to compete with the team that they have to compete with the most in the AFC North. And for many years, that was clearly the Baltimore Ravens. And Mike Tomlin often said it, John Harbaugh often said it, like those teams, you know, we, we built our team similarly because we're trying to beat each other. And, you know, for years it was, you know, you remember the Steelers-Ravens great games of the late 2000s and the early 2010s. Ray Lewis and Heinz Ward and James Harrison and Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed and all those games. And you just, you saw so many similarities in those teams because they built themselves similarly because they're like, hey, these are the strengths that you need to win the division. Let's just keep trying to outdo one another there. 
but you also saw the Steelers and, and the Ravens each try to counter each other by getting different things that might beat be, beat up on the other team, like the Ravens trying to get better tight ends so they could take advantage of the Steelers linebackers problem. The Steelers getting better linebackers to handle those tight ends, like when they got Ryan Chazier. Um, we've seen growth in both of those organizations over the time, but now it's not the Ravens that the Steelers have to worry about. It's the Bengals. I mean, the Steelers do have to worry about the Ravens. And that's not to downplay what Baltimore is and Lamar Jackson and all that stuff. But the Bengals are the clear favorite. They've won the division two two years in a row. But no one's ever won the AFC North three years in a row, at least to my understanding. And I think the Steelers are positioning themselves to say, hey, still want to beat the Ravens, still want to beat the Browns. But they got to be a team that can take the Bengals. And that's why I think you've seen them invest in making sure that their defensive front is still tough and physical and can stuff the run, but also get after the quarterback and making sure that they have, they now have a uh, rotation of edge rushers who can get after the quarterback, who can give, give the, the offensive tackles of the Cincinnati Bengals problems and ultimately give Joe Burrow some problems. It's why they think that they've been trying to invest in that corner and rebuild, rebuild up that room so that they can run with the big dogs that, that, that the Bengals have. Now I will say, you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I think that's still a tough matchup for the Steelers. Uh, they're going to need, you know, to have a, a lot of teamwork to limit that offense. It's not going to be simple, but I do think the Steelers have put the building blocks in to not only compete in the division, but maybe even win it. Now, early in the preseason, we did a, we did our division previews, and I thought the Steelers. I thought that they their 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 good shot is to is to get second in the division. But the more and more I've seen from this team, just how I've seen them practice, both in training camp. And from what I've seen just off of training camp, after training camp was over, what I've seen in the preseason games and just how I evaluate, you know, what they've been doing and looking at the other. I, I think this team can very much win the AFC North. It's not a guaranteed thing. It's I'm not saying, oh, they're just they're going to go do it. But this is not out of the realm of possibility. I really think that you look at this offense, the way that it's structured, the way that they're able to execute and the way that I know Kenny Pickett can lead a team. I think this can be a team that goes out, competes all year long. They have a favorable schedule. They don't got to worry about the Chiefs. They don't got to worry about the Eagles. They don't got to worry about the Bills. They still got, they, they do got to worry about the Bengals. But again, they they hung with the Bengals. They beat the Bengals last year and hung with them the second game. And that that was you know before Kenny Pickett was starting to really figure things out for the Steelers. I really do think that when we're looking at this Steelers team right now, you see the development of the run game. Because the one thing we talked about all offseason, right, was, you know, leading into OT, you know, OTAs and minicamp, leading into training camp, was saying like, hey, this team could be the bullies up front. They could be the guys that, that bully defensive lines and open up running space for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren to take over games and make it so that Kenny Pickett doesn't have to do too much. But now we're starting to see Kenny Pickett, he doesn't, you don't want him to do too much, but he can do quite a bit. And maybe you want him throwing 30, 35 times a game. I mean, that's kind of the pace you always wanted anyways. But maybe you're not as afraid as him to throw as much in a game if you need to in a certain situation. Certainly, you want to have that balance there at all time to win your games. But they have an offense that with an offensive line now, that if you if you can run the ball the way that I think that they'll be able to run the ball, they'll be able to control the clock. And if they're able to hit explosive plays, they'll be able to strike quickly and put pressure on opposing teams to uh, to, to, to respond. And if their defense is playing at the, at the level that I expect them to play, that can put some, some opponents in some holes. The Steelers, I think all but one of their wins last year came by, by uh, a single possession. They're going to need some games where they win by 10 plus points. 
And I think that this year they're going to get it, especially when they start playing teams like the Cardinals and the Colts and everything later in the season. And who knows, anything can happen. But I I think this will be a team that handles itself very well in its schedule. And I think that they're built to take on a lot of all three of the AFC North teams. You You look at the Browns. I think they've developed their offensive line to, I mean, Dan Moore Jr.'s kind of developed a good rivalry with Miles Garrett. Not that he's on the level of Miles Garrett as far as an overall player, but they've had some good back and forths if you've looked at them on tape. There's been days where Miles Garrett's gotten the best of Dan Moore Jr., but there's also been days that Dan Moore Jr.'s kind of negated Miles Garrett. And now you have Isaac Samala next to him, who can only help with that regard. You've added Darnell Washington, who's going to be moving across the line to help guys. The offensive line solidified with James Dan- with James Daniels, Mason Cole up the middle. Chikuma Korfor is still pretty solid. Now you have a quarterback who's going to know what to call and how to adjust the things at the line of scrimmage. I think you can handle the Browns' strength on defense, which is their their pass rush and you know Denzel Ward and guys like that. I think this is an offense that could run on run on the Browns a little bit and also probably make some big plays. As for the Ravens, I think the Ravens, I'm interested to see how good that offense actually is this year. I think that with Lamar Jackson, I mean, again, the only time Lamar Jackson's ever beaten the Steelers was when Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph had to play. That took an, uh, an overtime fumble from Juju Smith-Schuster to lose that game. And it's not to say that Lamar Jackson can't beat the Steelers when a starting quarterback is in. But I think it, that they have prepared. I think that's one of the things that they've done over the years when talking about how they've built their roster. They've built their roster to handle uh, Lamar Jackson games to contain speedy quarterbacks. Mike Thomas talked about that a lot and the emphasis of the mobility of quarterbacks and not just how to use it in your offense, but how do you defend it? And it's something the Steelers, I think that they've started, they've done a lot better in recent years compared to how they did in some of the 2010s. Like if you remember Terrell Pryor going off for like an 80-yard touchdown run when he played for the Raiders. And then again, back to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think they got the the, the, the pressure up front. Four guys, an edge rusher that I think can get pressure at any point in time against starters. And they have a secondary that communicates well, that won't leave gape, wide open, gaping uh, wide receivers that Joe Burrow can just throw it to. He's gonna, They're going to force him to have to be elite Joe Burrow. And he can be elite Joe Burrow and still beat you. That's how great he is. And I think that he's going to be you know, a great quarterback moving forward. But I think you had a defense that can bang with him. And if you have an offense that puts up points, like, for example, go back to that season opener last year. I think if this offense was with that defense on that day, the Steelers offense puts up points in that game, and it's a blowout. The Bengals never even have a chance to come back because remember they, they came back in the end because the offense, I think their only touchdown was what the fake play to Najee or whatever. Uh, they got the touchdown in the, in the second quarter. Kenny Pickett is putting up a lot more points than the Steelers did last year. And again, this is why I think people are buying in because you see Kenny Pickett, you see the young offense, you see the young quarterback, the young quarterback that seems like he's got it all. You know, he's got his head pointed in the right direction. He's got it all put together as far as how he's going to approach this year. Again, again the likability factor is, is there. I think that they built themselves to handle this division. And again, I'm not guaranteeing they're going to win the division. I still think the Bengals should be the favorites, but I do. I do also think that the Steelers should be right up there with the Ravens as far as a team that could that could take the division off the Bengals. And I even say right now if I was uh, if I was to pick pick one to win I think that the Bengals you could say that they're the favorites but I really like the idea of the Steelers being able to do do what they do best, get after the quarterback, set the tone in some of these games, have a better handle on how they play this season and they end up winning the AFC North in a year where maybe the Bengals they're still a really competitive team but they just ha- aren't as sharp as they have been in the last two years. 
and they've got changes on defense to account for. Those safeties are gone, so I think there's going to be some changes to be made there. But, man, it would not shock me anymore to think that this Steelers team could win the division. If they win the division, hosting playoff game, how far up could they host a playoff game? Could they be a three seed, a two seed, a one seed? Maybe that's going over the top because of the Kansas City Chiefs are always going to be there and the Buffalo Bills are up in that mix. But I'm not shocked anymore. I said this on uh, the Vegas Insider show uh, with uh, Sean King uh, earlier this week. If you if you follow me on Twitter, at Carter Critiques, I've posted some clips of that. Um, you can go back and say that. But I, I said actually like a 12-win season isn't out of reach for the Steelers anymore. Just based off of how I've seen these guys. Now, injuries can happen. TJ Watt, if he misses another two months, well, that changes a lot of things. But how they're built right now, how they've been playing and how they've been practicing, really think that there's that there's there's a reality they can be in that conversation. And that come late December, those games against the Bengals, the Ravens, the Seahawks, and those final week or so, final weeks there, the final month of the season. I think they're going to have a lot of weight on who actually wins this division because the Steelers are going to be right in the mix. And how they got there? Well, part of it's this front office, which continues to be aggressive. And we talked about the Desmond King move. We're not going to talk about Desmond King himself, but I want to talk about some of the trends that I think are very interesting here. That's our good sign of how the front office will be operating moving forward. We'll talk about that and more here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We still have a lot to discuss, but first, we're going to remind you guys that we are brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the app that you can download right to your phone to get tickets for your favorite events without it being stressful because Game Time is the fast and easy way to get tickets, whether they're for sporting sporting events, music events, comedy, concerts, theater events, all anything near you that Game Time can help you get. They get killer deals on last-minute tickets that can't be beat because they have a best price guarantee that you're going to love. And if you download the Game Time app today, you'll get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football games, basketball games, baseball games, concerts, comedy, theater events, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference difference snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nfl that's 20 for 20 dollars off your first purchase that's locked on nfl or go to their website gametime.co terms and conditions apply create an account and redeem code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off download game time last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. I want to continue my thoughts here about the team in general. Um, but I, I want to pause to let's take a step back and let's talk about the front office and how they've gotten here. Because it's one thing that I see a lot in the comment section on YouTube here, on Twitter, just everywhere. When, when you get, And I do pay attention to what people say, you know, not everything because some of y'all is crazy. But uh, but uh in all seriousness, I do think that there is merit to talk about how different this front office is right now from how it's been under Kevin Colbert the last several years. But as I said in the Afternoon Drive podcast with uh, uh, Smitty and Alan Saunders, I think a big part of this is not to slight Colbert, it, not to protect, overprotect Colbert, but being honest, Kevin Colbert was kind of saddled with a different situation for most of his tenure with the Steelers because he found his franchise quarterback by what year five of his tenure with the Steelers, he what started in 2000. So he found court Ben Roethlisberger in 2004. So 
once they found that guy after like, 2007, when they started paying Ben Roethlisberger big quarterback money, that limited what they could do, especially in the 2010s when Big Ben's pay pay uh, pay increase kept going up. And when you're paying for a big time franchise quarterback, you can still pay for you know other stars in the team. But then you have to make choices. Are you going to be a top-heavy team that has a lot of stars on it? Or are you going to be a balanced team that has maybe like a couple other stars but has really good role players across the board because you can't pay for both in this league? And the Steelers for most of the 2010s opted to be the team with the superstars because not only did you have Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and Cam Hayward and at one point Ryan Shazier, but they had you know they, they, were, they were investing in guys like Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro who were getting really good money. But the problem was – after those guys, you needed to strike hot on a lot of late round draft picks, a lot of undrafted guys, guys like Ramon Foster, who played really well, guys like, uh, you know, Alejandro Villanueva, who played really well, um, guys like Vince Williams, you found in the sixth round, but not you're not always going to hit on those. And when you talk about those guys, but for every one of those guys, there's your Cody Sensabaj, you know, your busts of, of the good picks that you make. Every team has busts like Artie Burns uh, and guys like that, but it makes it that much more crucial to hit on those guys. Um, and it gives you less opportunities to hit on those guys because you can't make as many big, you know, bigger investments to get veterans like a Desmond King or bring in guys like Marcus Golden while also paying Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt top tier uh, edge rusher money. You can't do all that while you're paying for the big name quarterback. And so I think that legitimately Kevin Colbert is a Hall of Fame GM. But I also think that Kevin Colbert's a guy who, you know, was of his time, which any coach GM player is right. You know, uh, you know, Terry Bradshaw was a great quarterback, but the way he played wouldn't, you know, maybe fit with the NFL today because of all the little deep throws that he threw, but you know, it'd be different today. You know, they'd want him to throw a short a lot more. They want to do everything. He'd have to adjust his game to how the game played today. And we never know how that would work, you know? And I think for Kevin Colbert, that man was a GM for 20 plus years. It's a generation. And during that time, the, the league worked in different ways in different parts of his tenure. I mean, in the early 2000s, we're late in the late 2000s, then they were late in the 2010s, and they're very different from the 2020s right now. And he adjusted through many of those steps to become a, a GM who, and who got the Steelers many legendary players and kept them built up. But... The moves that you're seeing Omar Khan make to get get a Desmond King to tr make trades here and there. I mean, like like for example, trading down from to to get Darnell Washington so that you can get a pick to go get Nick Herbig, stuff like that. You didn't see as much from Kevin Colbert, and part of it I think is because Omar Khan, who learned behind Kevin Colbert, and this is why it's important that the Steelers have an office to office that they hire within a, a lot, is that they have guys who understand the tendencies that are good for their predecessors. And then they have the guys who understand like, hey, you know, whereas they did these things really well, I, I can do these things really well. And that's where Omar Khan, I think, is helping the Steelers. He understands the markets. He understands the trends. He understands how other teams work. And he can implement things that maybe apply to this more, this modern era a little bit better than they did in the previous area that Kevin Colbert was at his sharpest as a GM. And then you have Andy Weidel who fixed into that mix as a guy that can scout and put together and put together looking out for talent, run a run a scouting room and, you know, put together all the information so that Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan can look and say, all right, these are our targets. This is who we want to build the team with. And I think they're doing a bang up job of addressing, at least on paper, what the Steelers needed.
This offensive line needed to be better. It is. They needed to find a veteran receiver. They did that. They needed to find T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith some backups. They did that while also signing T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. They needed to completely revamp the linebacker position. Did that. Now, again, we got to see how all these guys play out. But on paper and what we've seen in training camp and preseason, they've checked the boxes. When they lost Terrell, Terrell Edmonds, they needed another veteran safety to come in. They went and got that. And again, even with the, just the draft process, I can go back and I can try to find my my big board again. But it literally, as, as I've said several times, uh, you know, th- throughout the show, they're all four of their first picks: uh, Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Darnell Washington. They were all in my top thirty-three of my of my big board, and that's before the picks got made. That's before, um, you know, that's before we knew who exactly they were. I put, I put them there. And, uh, and to me, like, that's why I was so hot on the Steelers draft this year, because it just made the most sense. And maybe it just, I got lucky with, uh, the way I was seeing things was just the way they were seeing things this year. But I think they're doing something right. And they're setting a great tone for how this front office is going to operate moving forward. And make no mistake, like Mike Tomlin is very much involved in the building process. Like they don't draft a guy without Mike Tomlin liking the guy. But the work that they're doing as a front office team right now, together, you can't argue with it right now. I mean, you can. There's people that do. And I think that, you know, if, you, if you're just calling players busts before they even take the field, I think that you're, you're, that's a, you're you, you want them to do bad. You want to be negative. But for the Steelers, I think this front office is setting a really interesting tone. And I think it is different from Kevin Colbert, but not in a way that's to say that Kevin Colbert was bad in any way, because I think that he was very, he was, a, he was great. He was a legendary. I think he's going to be in the hall of fame someday, but they found ways to keep his process to keep his values while also sprinkling in the new things that they need to be aware of. And that's why they're making more of these moves and making more. I think what you could say are sly moves on, on the part of the front office to support this roster up and do a better job because you couldn't always do that. And, and and who knows in five, six years when they're paying Kenny, if Kenny Pickett proves to be the quarterback that I think he is, they're eventually going to have to pay him big money. And that's, then you're going to be in that situation. Like, all right, who do you pay here? Cause by that time, TJ Watts going to be in his mid thirties and it's going to be a different conversation for how you, for, you know, when, what he's getting paid, if he's still playing in the NFL, there's a lot of other conversations like that. And who knows, maybe Omar Khan, when he gets there, it'll be just as limited as it was in the 2010s with Ben Roethlisberger for Kevin Colbert. But right now at this point in time, they're being aggressive. They're making moves and they're making moves that fit the needs of this roster. And so you put these together the, off, the, the front office making a lot of moves that make a lot of sense to a lot of people. The Steelers matching up well with the teams in their division. The strong preseason and training camp they've had, developmental-wise, execution-wise, consistency-wise. And again, the national media buying in on this team. I think that there's legitimate reason to believe in this Steelers team right now and to get very excited for what they're going to do in 2023. And next week, it all gets started. It's the last weekend without NFL football for so long. And I am so happy because I am so excited to get back to the season. I know that you all are too. Thanks again for everyone sticking with us throughout the, the throughout the offseason next Monday. So I guess three days or so. It's 
we're back to the normal schedule of we're talking football, getting you ready for games all season long. I cannot wait. We will be getting into it here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Thanks again, and everyone, for tuning into the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Find me here on the Locked On Steelers podcast Monday through Friday on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. Thank you for making us your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And remember, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts with a positive comment. Do both all both at the same time. We'll give you a shout out at the end of the show. Thanks again, everybody. I will see you Monday. Have a great weekend i'll be at pitt versus wofford covering that for the pittsburgh post gazette at accrature stadium if you're there saturday come say hello hit me up on twitter i'll try to i am always happy to take pictures with and meet fans of the show and, and everything like that but again we'll see you we'll see you here right on the lockdown steelers podcast monday getting you ready for steelers niners week one